Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is powered by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? Welcome to the Reef Therapy Podcast, session 65. Today, we're going to start with a little tank-based therapy session. We'll go through some comments that we had on the last podcast episode, and uh, we're going to talk about some other things like keeping your interest in the hobby, uh, the recent influx of fires at local fish stores if we get to it. But first of all, uh, let's start by welcoming Raj back to America. Let's go, Raj. All right. How was South Africa? South Africa was cool. It's uh, very different, um, way, di- way colder than I expected it to be. I guess I should have checked the weather app and be more prepared, but it was cold. Like cold, like 40s, cold, like 20s? Yeah, man, I'm a tropical people. It was like 50s. <laughs> 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 yeah. I feel like when you go on vacation, though, you expect it to be warm, you do. right? You do. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I just really did not expect it to be in the 50s at all. Yeah. But um but it was nice. Yeah. I lost a couple of days. We saw some rain. pictures. We saw some pictures. You uh you sent a photo of an elephant. Yeah. Uh and you said you took a lot of photos while you were there, but I don't think that I've seen uh, a lot of them yet. You haven't posted many of them. So is there any highlights from your trip that you like to I share? I took over four hundred photos. And wow. so I have a lot of editing work to do. Um they're still on my camera. <laughs> I haven't even offloaded them off. Uh, off the memory card yet so hopefully i got some good shots but um i did get to see a lion kill which was oh, wow. pretty fantastic were you yeah. up in kruger or where, where'd you go yeah yeah i went to kruger nice. um and just just the noise the sound um was really i guess it was cool it it, it was just different it was interesting um that was probably the best, uh, the best thing there. Uh, I did see white rhinos, uh, a, a big group of them, and we were looking for them for, gosh, like a day and a half and couldn't find them. Um, and then just came across a pod. We could hear them. And um, it was really cool as the guide hopped out, got, you know, they, they arm up. And he's like, man, I'm not supposed to do this. You guys stay in here. And he just goes <laughs> into the bush. And we're like, whoa, this is going to be awesome. Um, and I'm totally thinking, okay, I'm filming this because if he comes running out with a rhino after him, this is going to make for great footage. And it's going to be incredible. Um, but they were just there grazing. And we actually got to go at step out. And we're on foot now in safari watching these rhinos just graze. Just feet away from us it was so cool that is awesome i imagine in my head that this is like the tyrannosaurus rex scene in jurassic park where they just upload a like a sheep or a goat or something is or was that all natural that you saw the kill it's all natural yeah they're they're just there and um right now uh, the impala are in their mating season and so the males will fight and when they're fighting they're not really paying attention and that's when the lions will strike, and it's easy picking for them. Gotcha. Yeah. You went to the aquarium there? How was I that? I did, and it was a really cool aquarium. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be as nice as it was, but they had this really cool jelly room set up, and it was just your standard moon jelly, so nothing special in that regard, but the room was dark, and it had mirrors. 
So when you walk in, it looked like there was hundreds of these jelly cylinders. Um, but, you know, there was maybe four or six of them, something like that. Probably got that totally wrong and they're going to yell at me now. But um, <laughs> it was just really, really neat. And even though there were people in there, because it's dark, it didn't seem like there were people there. So that was that was really cool. Yeah, I love when aquariums get uh, innovative with, okay, so maybe we don't have hundreds and hundreds of jellyfish, but how can we simulate that? How can we simulate how these guys migrate in the ocean and just kind of go with the current and all that stuff? That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so. it, it was cool because jellies to me are kind of boring, right? They're, they're cool for like <laughs> 20 seconds and you're like, all right, they're still doing the same thing. And the only reason they have color right now is because of the LEDs and... But this was a yeah. cool spin on it, and I found myself just wandering around that room for 15 minutes. And if you're entertained by jellies for 15 minutes, that's impressive. Yeah. I always think it's wild how, you know, you could be out in the ocean and, you know, you see just a random, like, irukandji jellyfish that could just, you know, wipe you out, uh, paralyze you or whatever. Uh, it's, it's just crazy. Those things are just, you know, randomly meandering through the water. Um, obviously moon jellies aren't in that category, but, uh, very cool that you get to see all the code that they have. A, the, uh, I find with a lot of public aquariums, they don't have a solid representation of coral. Did they actually have a good representation of coral? They there? had a really good, uh, reef tank in there with mixed coral. Um, it was, it was nicely done and really well kept. All the tanks were super clean, really colorful. You know, it wasn't a very big aquarium, but uh, I say that, but it had a few levels. So it was, it was actually bigger than I expected, but it was really, really well done. And yeah, it, it had corals and it had your, uh, I'll have to show you guys this video of some of the, some of the exhibits that they did just super creative, super creepy. Um, the jellyfish mm -hmm. one was really cool. The kids got to go up in, it was one of those tanks where you can walk underneath it and stick your head inside. Well, cool. all of the, um, all the clownfish would just gather right there on top of your head and the kids were just freaking out about it. So I just sat there watching random, random people walking inside this thing and getting um, surrounded by clownfish. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. The, uh, the coral display that we have at the St. Louis aquarium is, I think it's like a 600 gallon tank. It's not bad, but it just, it just doesn't draw, you know, people, I remember when they first opened and we're going through and they've got these, uh, they don't have this all the time, but they would have like a liaison in each room that kind of explained further what the animals were. And of course the coral tank is right next to the octopus tank. So everybody is flocking over to the octopus, but I sat there for probably, I don't know, 20 minutes, just looking at all the different corals in there. And I had my filter with me, I had my orange filter cause they keep it blue to keep it kind of interesting for people on the fluorescing corals and whatnot. And, uh, the girl comes up to me and she goes, you know, you've probably spent the most time here than anybody yet. <laughs> and I, I think it's one of those things where this not as impressive if you're maybe not in the hobby or don't really understand what you're looking at. And uh, I think that's why they like to keep it all flowy and, you know, anemones and long polyp, sark fighting and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that's cool. I look forward to the videos and the pictures. Yeah, it'll take me a while, but I should have some really, really cool shots. By editing, do you mean editing like pterodactyls? Yes. 
coming out of the sky. So that, I used like to do that. that. I used to put uh, velociraptors in the pictures, just little Easter nice. eggs to see if, <laughs> see if anybody caught them. And they were on family pics, so, you know, that worked out really nicely. Very cool. Well, it's good to have you back. Um, what's everybody drinking tonight? What do you got, Raj? Got a uh, Florida beer right here, a local Tampa brewery, uh, Highlight. It's an IPA. Okay. Yeah. Every time we drive Mark? to Florida, there's a billboard with that beer. And then for the rest of the drive, I have that song stuck in my head. Jai la la, la You know that song? <laughs> Which is, sorry, not to go off topic, but that's all they can. No, I love it. You, sh- you should sing more. And then boom, it's in my head now because of that. And I know that's not how you pronounce the beer. But um, I'm, I'm just drinking Heineken, man. I'm boring. It's what I had in the house. So I've got this... Uh, we're gonna try it. Uh oh, cherry lime. I want, I want, I want you guys to try this with me. I'm gonna open it and try it. This is that. Uh, I think it's a hard seltzer. So it says it's vodka water. Ooh. So let's, huh. try it out. let's try it out. Let's all go for this. Uh... There was a time Jake called me and said he might have a beer sponsor for the reef therapy podcast and that we would be drinking their beer on the podcast whatever happened to that did you get access to those emails right was he, t- was he talking about coda brewery <laughs> no it was right like an alcohol distributor i think that distributed yeah. certain types of beers nationally or something Ooh. which is would be a really um kind of unexpected sponsor for a reef related podcast no but that would be fantastic we need to yeah yeah gonna have to look into that this this tastes like like one of those all-inclusive resorts lobbies (laughs) smells (laughs) (laughs) if that makes any sense at all like i taste it and i feel like i'm at a sandals resort is that a bad thing i don't know um no not really it's i don't know it's more it's like it almost tastes a little bit like Lacroix. Mm. Um, there's a hint of cherry lime in there. so Like they took cherries in the other room. Yeah, have you seen yeah. those LaCroix ads? <laughs> Wafted it over. <laughs> yeah. This can of seltzer uh, was transported on a truck next to some oranges. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's great. Mark, how has your week been? Good, man. Well, busy, crazy. Uh, automated water exchange came in handy because like last weekend I said, I'm going to mix up a big old batch of salt water. I'm going to do water changes on both my tanks. And then I ended up just being crazy busy between work and, um, kid home schedules. So it was, you know, it was like, oh, this is why I went through all the pain in the ass of running quarter inch tubing everywhere and, you know, have a (laughs) dosing pump and all that, uh, Cause it's like, I've got one of those little boxes. Like there's a guy on Etsy that makes little, um, uh, uh, does it called? It uses the, um, is it 10 volt? Like the, um, man, I'm drawing a blank. It's been a long day, but you, there's you an can Etsy pretty guy much making reef stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which works with apex. Right. And so, um, like an, uh, like a breakout box basically with buttons and switches. Uh. Um, so it's pretty sweet cause I uh, I just open up one little valve, and then I press a button, and the water change begins and on the big reef. Um, and you don't even really need the valve because a peristaltic pump is a valve, right, when it's turned off. But since my water exchange dose is in the basement, and it's siphoning water, and then 
you know, pumping it into a drain in the basement. I'm just worried, like, if the peristaltic tubing ever cracks or something, I'd have a siphon coming out of my tank, right? <laughs> so yeah. it'd be this funny thing where I've got one dosing pump pumping RO water up as the sump level dropped and another one just siphoning it back down <laughs> into my basement floor. So, uh, I, you know, in abundance of caution, I did add, like, a manual valve. So, um so I, I, cause I don't do continuous water exchanges like some people do. I just, you know, I do like a 24 hour, 30 gallon water change. Um, and then on the smaller tank, I just do it old school with a Python and a pump connected to a hose to refill it. So, so well, I did something, uh, productive refill related this week, you know, so, so you'd actually let it run for 24 hours. It, I'm not going to lie and I don't want to piss <laughs> off the Neptune people, but <laughs> Every time I, cause it, yeah, you go to bed and it's still going, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's, uh, well, okay. For the record, the thing has been uber reliable. So there's, you know, this has nothing to do with, um, actual experience, but it just doesn't look like a device that you should, um, run at high speed for 24 hours. <laughs> it doesn't have a robustness to it, especially if you've taken one apart, you're like, okay, you know. And then you see the same style pump heads on Alibaba for like, you know, <laughs> you're like, but it has served me well. And at that point in time, there was really no other option. I know Kimura has one now. GHL just released like a large volume uh, peristaltic maxi again, mm-hmm. uh, an updated version. So, so there are options now. If you have better ideas, Raj, because you, you know, you build industrial grade stuff, let me know because um, there's um there's devices used in the medical industry that are very, very robust, and that's the stuff to use. And you okay. can find them on eBay for a fraction of the price. They're still expensive, but you know you replace the tubing and things like that, and you've got a solid performer. But even with that, I, I just never had the the guts to let it run overnight. I, I can't sleep. It's just... <laughs> You know, with my luck, something's going to happen. I'm going to wake up and my house is destroyed. And then, then my wife's going to yell at me. So I got both of those things going. And yeah, I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah. What are we, sorry, what was your question? I was just going to say, what am I searching for on eBay? Oh man, you would ask me that. Like, I'm going to. Like what keywords? Um, I'll think of it. Okay. I do have a. Um, I just want to see this four thousand dollar pump that you speak of. That's that's half price. I, I do have a paranoid level amount of leak detectors too, so there's that. Uh, but the the thing that keeps me up at night is that my RODI is hard plumbed to my tap with just two electrical solenoid switches, and then I also have a mechanical float switch that, like most people use, right? That'll cut it off. But then I saw a guy on one of the forums where the um, push connect part of the solenoid cracked, and that's on the feed side, right? So it's not like, oh, the float switch got stuck or something. Um, so I do le- lose some sleep over that, and I ordered this robotic arm that will turn like a plumbing valve uh, on and off, and then that has uh, leak detectors. And I was so happy with that, but the thing would just like close the valve like randomly. Like I'd be like, what the hell? Why is my <laughs> RODI empty? And I look over and the thing had like closed the valve. So 
it was like 300 bucks too. It was a total waste of money. So I had to <laughs> disconnect that. Um, I've looked at, they, they make like, um, you know, valves, like mechanical valves that open and close. So it's not like a solenoid, like a magnet that gets like electro where the solenoid gets really hot while it's open. It's just open and close. And, but yeah, I don't know. That's another one I need to figure out something that I would feel better about. So it's kind of like that meme, uh, where you lay the, the one where you lay down in, uh, in bed at night. And then as you're going to sleep, there's a thought bubble that pops yeah. up that you left the RODI on. <laughs> well, I've actually flooded my basement and had to file an insurance claim and it had nothing to do with my reef tank. But seeing the damage that water can do and then having like the insurance claim was like 40 grand and then they Ugh. had to rip out drywall because, you know, drywall just is like a sponge and sucks up all the water. Yeah. So they had cut out all the drywall, I think about three or four feet high. I mean, it was just hell. It was just brutal. And I was like, God, this is what my reef tank could do. You know, that's like, I, so I, I have anxiety about it all the time. Um, one yeah, day my... I'm just going to get out of the hobby just because uh, <laughs> it'd be like the first night. I'm like, man, I don't know why I slept so good, you know. Will you still do reef therapy though? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll just talk about trees. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget the moths. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, that it was a fun fact. Uh, I forget who, uh, the exact commenter's name, but the Luna moth eats sweet gum. That's fantastic. Or, yeah, yeah, and I've that. seen them chilling on my fence every year, and it's just this gigantic lime green moth. They're beautiful, and so I was like, oh, well, that yeah. explains it. Yeah, so it was good to know. I learned something. Hmm. Master Flex. Master Flex is the pump. Okay, yeah. Master flex, peristaltic pump. They're usually about a couple. About 500 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. 300. That's not bad at all. They used to be about 2,500 bucks-ish. Oh, here we are. 2,100. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, you need a dual, right? One to remove and one to add. Oh, yeah. yeah. Two grand. Yeah. <laughs> I told you they were spicy. <laughs> Yeah, we can't play in Raja's <laughs> playground. It's just not accessible you guys are me up. for most humans. <laughs> uh, so for me this week, uh, I've been mainly focused on this weekend, which by the time everybody hears this, I will have gone to Orlando, shot <clears throat> several videos at Top Shelf Aquatics, and then gone to the Reef Builder Studio, shot several videos at the Reef Builder Studio, which will all be up and coming. And uh, I'm just praying for no delays. That would be great. You forgot the part where you sh Fantastic. take the Altum Angels and you bag them up for me oh, and yeah. ship those to me. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly without anybody looking. I'll, I'll, I'll give that responsibility to somebody else. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I've ever... I've shipped coral, but I've never shipped fish before. I'm sure it's the same. I guess maybe talk to Windsor about that. Uh, <laughs> I don't even have a freshwater tank right now to put them in, but it's like every time I see them in a video or when, when we were there at reef stock, I'm like, dang, I need those fish. Yeah. I'll send you some video. How about yeah. that? Okay. I'll text you. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this weekend's going to be jam packed. 
Uh, as we kind of get into the podcast here a little bit further, I wanted to address something that has come up in the comments a couple times. Obviously, um, you know, this is a, a reefing podcast, but I'm kind of trying to play this. I'm wondering, do you, in the comments section, please let us know, do you like more of a meandering podcast or like a main topic driven kind of podcast? I don't know if you guys have a preference, Raj or Mark, but um, they, they seem to have been meandering for the past. I, I don't mind that. I, I love just talking about reef tanks and all that there is about it. Um, but we've we've had we've had several main topics I think so far as well. So yeah. what do you guys? I think? I think our conversations just naturally meander, right? I mean, wherever we're talking and whenever we're talking, let's say we're talking out after a show and we're talking reef it does just kind of meander and we go off on tangents so yeah i don't know yeah well let us know in the comment section if there is a if there is a preference i'm sure that everybody's gonna say a little bit of both and that's what you know in radio i usually get you be like do you like option a or option b and people will say mm, i like option c <laughs> <laughs> even though c is not an option also, I wanted to run this by you, Mark. <clears throat> how do you feel and how does everybody feel in the comments section below about a new segment called Mark's Coral of the Week? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. You can make me have homework. <laughs> Where you just choose a coral in the hobby. It could be anything. Um, some of your favorites. You don't have to do a whole lot of research. I mean, you are. And, you know, your your brain is filled with a bunch of reefing knowledge already. And we just kind of like talk about growth pattern and where we would put it in the tank and kind of coloration and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And See, we, like this week, it could be Xenia. Yeah. Right? And it's taking over. Venezuela. <laughs> but what? Yeah. Xenia yeah. is taking over the uh, reefs down in Venezuela. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a non-native species there, and it, somehow it made it over, and it's just covering everything and choking out all the local corals. And then it's dwindling the fish population because now it's not, you know, a proper reef anymore, and it's got xenia that they, the fish don't interact with, don't eat, don't mess with. Uh, so it's it's a pretty big problem, and they're trying to figure out, well, how do they get rid of it? You can't if you mechanically try to remove it, you guys know what happens when you, yeah, you know, scrape Xenia, you just make Xenia frags that are going to spread and start killing everywhere. Um, so they've got a big problem on their hands. Interesting. I wonder if it's red sea pom-pom, uh, or if it's, you know, I'll have to look, I'll, I'll have to read up. I didn't know this. Xenia, Xenia elongata. Mm. I guess it, uh, the, the article says this was, I think Jeremy wrote this. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, the name was revised in 2021, uh, to Unamia Stolonifera. See, or Fura. screwed up the name again. Xenia yep. was a cool uh, name. And then they cool. got a, <laughs> so was Elongata. Yeah, right. Well, this is article. Uh, I don't even see the article. It's on Reef Builders. Oh, there we go. Yep. <laughs> yesterday totally missed it it was believed to become established in the caribbean following yeah. its introduction by the aquarium trade so it's our fault and was found by uh, a marine biologist in 2007 the first scientific report on the invader was published in 2014 so someone from the hobby or several people from the hobby dumped it because it's a pest 
not a pest, but it's you know it grows fast in in the aquarium, and it's uh, thriving, apparently. <laughs> That's crazy. Where? That's kind of like uh, I feel like tilapia is kind of like that um, in a lot of places. But isn't I'm trying to I'm Google mapping it now, which you know that's really exciting for everybody that's listening um is it venezuela or is it ecuador that is a a big exporter of oil as well venezuela yeah that's what i thought i blame the oil tankers again just like the lionfish man sure it could have come from almost anywhere i mean any of the shipping vessels or like you said oil vessels i mean we're just an easy target because we're yeah. defenseless. I mean, you know, who do we really have speaking out for us? PJAC. Um, and they represent dogs and cats and lizards and all the other pets too. So we have a very small voice when it comes to defending ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know the background. This is the first time I've heard of it. So it could very likely be like, no, it was, you know, a guy named Ted. We know he dropped it. <laughs> it you know, like they may have like a smoking gun, but... Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, you know, or it's a scientist that started Googling Xenia and was like, you know, when he was researching this invasive species, and then he got like every coral vendor's website, you know, on the search results and was like, oh, freaking reef keepers, you know, so. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I wonder how popular reef keeping is in Venezuela. I don't know. I know Ooh. Brazil's got a lot of really great hobbyists. I mean, at least I've seen some really amazing tanks out of Brazil. I, I'm not so sure about Venezuela. I know there's a killer softy tank in Puerto Rico that some, some guy posts every once in a while. So Ooh. it's always kind of cool when you see tanks from other places in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to know if uh, there's some Venezuelan reefers tuning in and like to see those tanks. Yeah, and if one's got a lot of Xenia in it, then you know. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't joke. Like, this is terrible, but uh, it's not great. But I don't know. Just, I, it's always us, you know. So we're always, I, I noticed the freshwater hobby is struggling now that um, they're trying to get a petition going because uh, I don't, I think uh, fish farms, freshwater tropical fish farms are potentially in trouble in florida uh from you know getting rid of them for the whole invasive species problem so and and then the majority of freshwater fish are farmed in florida so i mean that would just that's the end of that then you know if that gets uh i I, again i didn't read the whole legislation it's just something that popped up on my news feed this morning and uh you know hey sign this petition i was like well and then you want to sign it but you're also like, well, I want to know both sides of the story. I want to know what's actually going on. Um, and to be fair, I mean, you know, if if there's anywhere where they should limit what kind of pets you keep and stuff, I don't want to piss off Florida reef keepers, but it's like <laughs> Hawaiian, Florida, it, you know, it is prime, prime ecosystem for a lot of things, you know, that we like to keep as pets. So, um, but I mean, maybe that's that, that, I mean, it's already pretty bad down there. You got pythons and <laughs> iguanas yeah. falling out of the trees when it gets colder. They got chameleons down there now. Oh. Uh, I, th- I don't know if it's the veiled or Jackson's chameleon, but I mean, uh, there's YouTube videos of guys at night with headlamps, like hunting chameleons, hmm. um, which those are actually kind of cool, you know? <laughs> like, I'd yeah. Be, yeah. If I lived in Florida and I saw a chameleon in my backyard, I'd be pretty uh, excited about it. <laughs> 
Um, and I don't know how bad they are for the ecosystem. I mean, Hawaii has, um, what are those, day geckos from Madagascar, but nobody really oh, yeah. is too bothered by them because they're not really making a bad impact like this zinnia is. So. Yeah. Um, well, if you're from, from Venezuela, let us know. Um, more insight and or love to see your tanks. Yeah, or if you're, awesome. you're the guy that dumped the zinnia and we want to know who you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bounty. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Mark, are you uh, you on board with that? I'll do it every once in a while. I don't know if I'm gonna do it every oh, week. Man. We can't say Mark's coral every other week. That doesn't just <laughs> that doesn't really have a ring to it. He's <laughs> uh, gonna have to go get his. Book. Not, I don't. I don't expect a dissertation. Okay, here. like a five second <laughs> segment. Like uh, yeah. Okay. Like just get us started on Montipara. You know, because I just I can't can, keep can up with all the. You know, this is the Dragon Soul Day Glow Puke Lemonade. Like, I don't know any of that. You know, if you want to talk about, like, you know, uh, euphilias yeah. and uh, that's cool. I, I, yeah, we could talk about that. I'll Maybe probably get should, a lot wrong, yeah. too. I'm Maybe sure there'll be some comments mark. of, like, that's not true. I keep that coral in a cave <laughs> with no light. <laughs> you know? So... Yeah, but that's that's okay. I I think uh, yeah, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be good. And I'm not I don't I don't I'm not expecting you to come up with like oh, let's talk about the stratosphere zoanthid today and its current price in the market. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, yeah well, but... let's talk about like the actual like scientific names of things and and uh, just just you know why we like to keep them as you know reef keepers in the hobby. You know, and then what what intrigues you? And about then after them? that, we're gonna give you a name of one of these made up corals and then you ah, yeah, have good. to guess at what it is and describe what it looks like yeah me and we'll see how close you are yeah oh, yeah he's gonna guess miserably me too i don't know any of them <laughs> <laughs> but i'd much rather pick on you than you know so pick if, on me. if i say what is a jason fox ass crack <laughs> or sorry as crack what is that i'm gonna guess <laughs> it's a zoanthid just because they yeah, have the right. weirdest names <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I was on the phone with uh, so Chris right Meckley. Was it two nights ago or last night? And we were, God, we were talking about a coral, and it's a Montipara. Uh, and then I was like, Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's a really cool anacropora. And he was like, and he, like, it just went dead silent. And I was like, Oh, I got that one wrong because I, it was again, uh, just a popular trade coral. You know, that's real colorful. And, and then I'm like on my phone, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that is a Montipara. So. Yeah, don't. I, I can't keep up with that stuff anymore. So that'll be fun. I'll look like a complete idiot, but I'll, I'll be willing no. to do that. <laughs> I'll be willing to uh, embarrass myself. I think that it just made. I was thinking about this in the car today, and how you know some people in the hobby are so adamant about making sure that everybody is like right on the money. But I think if we're all learning together, yeah, and yeah. if you're wrong or I'm wrong or Raj is wrong or, you know, commenters are wrong. I mean, we had trouble identifying a uh, Pasilopora that I got at a frag swap. And this took like three or four people to look at it and see, and then identify it, you know? So I think it's fine. It'll be fun. Mark's coral of the Whenever I want. Yeah. <laughs> well, you saw how well the book club went with Jake. I think we did that for like three episodes, and then just I don't know. Yeah, just, there were comments that that would you know people would like to 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 do that. So I don't know. The downside is all the books are out of print, 
And so it was yeah. like every time we recommended a book, it was like, oh, you know, go to the, you can find it on Amazon in the used marketplace. And then some of them are like $500. And it's like, well, I, dude, this book ain't worth 500 bucks. No offense <laughs> to the author, but yeah. um, the, the information is dated. You know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so here's a tank with metal halides and a chiller. And you're like, you know, it's like when I was reading Harry Potter to my daughter and they mentioned a VHS player and my daughter was like what's a vhs player you know like i feel like a young hobbyist you know some of the i mean not that chillers are outdated but yeah you get my point so yeah Yeah, and they're not writing any good books either it's like there's not been a good book released and i don't know how long yeah i saw uh when keith was interviewing uh i don't know if it was julian or charles or both and they asked, you know, when the Reef Aquarium Volume 4 would come out. And one of them was saying, like, there's just no um, money in books. Right. And, you know, it takes a lot of energy and time to, a lot of work to write a book like that and get the pictures and, and then the formatting. And, you know, it's a lot of work. And then if there's really not uh, any financial incentive to do it, it's like, well, why would you do it, you know? Unless you're like a billionaire and you're bored and yeah. So, yeah. And then you got to charge, you know, 75, 80 bucks for the book too. So, um, but the, the, the Vargas book that just came out is beautiful. Yeah. I've seen some, uh, one of my buddies here got it and it's just stunning images. Mm. So, um, really good stuff. Yeah. The, it's right. got that but, two little fishies vibe. Like all the two little fishies books were really well done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the comments. Uh-oh. Uh, Stevie says, Mark spoke about lights and color expression again. What is the article slash chart that he found the info on? I like hearing about it, and I am more of a visual learner. Do you have that pulled up, Mark, or do you want me to get it? Yeah, I've got it. Um, so the the I, I couldn't find the chart before we started the podcast, but it's somewhere in in their uh, website. Um, but there's a really um, there's some really great blog posts, um, and I can add it in in a comment when the video comes out too. But um, it's add like edition addgene.org. and um, if you you know if you go in their menu i mean they don't just talk about chromoproteins and you know fluorescent proteins they they do all kinds of research um everything from stem cells and plant biology and crispr which that's a fascinating subject in itself um there's a great netflix documentary on crispr which is both mind-blowing and scary um yeah but um, somewhere in there, they have a chart, and it was really interesting about what wavelengths of light um, will excite those type of pigments. Um, but then there is still the component of gene expression. And um, it's pretty interesting. In one of the blogs, they show where they take bacteria in, um, what's that um, What's that stuff that they put in a Petri dish, uh, the gelatinous material? Uh, that's a good question. Agar or something like that. Um, I'm just going to grab it. Um, yeah. And an agar plate and they have the same bacteria expressing different, uh, chromoproteins and it looks like a color wheel. It's crazy. Like there's blue and fluorescent yellow and pink and, um, 
and so you know they're using it for um different kinds of experiments but uh they they bring up corals as well and you know how certain chromoproteins were first discovered in corals i think one of the red ones was discovered in mushrooms right um so yeah it's it's a fun read it kind of goes over the head a, a few times unless you know you're a scientist in that field but uh it got me thinking about some of the pigments like that we saw like yellow right yellow parietes um yellow uh, sarcophyte elegance and they all look mustardy brown now under our lights even the um, yellow parietes does and uh it got me wondering if it's because these led diodes we use are somewhat specific in nanometers um they do sometimes do like coatings on them to kind of bump them in one direction or another to kind of create a little more variety um but uh you know the again i'm talking out of lane here because i'm i have no expertise in this stuff but um you think about analog music, right? You've got this wavelength of sound, and that digital is a representation of that wavelength, but it's like connect the dots, you know? It's like when you get the kid's menu at the restaurant, right? It's it's dots that eventually, if you draw them together, form that wavelength, but there's a lot of dots missing in that wavelength in digital music. And a lot of, you know, there's audiophile people that can hear say they can hear the difference i know neil young talks about it a lot you know about the difference between analog music and so i kind of wonder if there's something going on there with lighting too where we're hitting the nanometers that are you know definitely peak you know for certain um photosynthesis right for certain chlorophylls to get excited with photosynthesis but are we missing some of the pieces for some of that pigment or chromoprotein or fluorescent protein expression i don't know you know because we don't have a lot of greens and um we do have reds now but even like if you have red or green in a led it's like one or two diodes right it's just like yeah. a token green led <laughs> with like yep. 50 blue and royal blues so and i don't know how many times in in the early stages of the hobby that many people are like just turn off the red and green because it's you know, they uh, well, you could promote algae growth or something. Yeah, like well, yeah, you, like if you had an no, you if you had it was Saki or an Ushio 10k above your tank, like it was like take it or leave it, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, I could be way wrong about it. Uh, it was just our last discussion. It was an experiment that Jake and I wanted to run, um, and then I, I even heard um, uh, inappropriate reefer was trying it out with his uh, um, yellow leather. I could be way off base, but it was just something like, hey, we should try this, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, we'll leave that uh, We'll leave that link in the description below. Atkins Nature Aquarium says, listening for the second time, I just can't get enough. I was wondering where I can find the Jake Adams shirt from Gallery Aquatica. I would love to order two from Milady, and I tried looking for myself, and I found the Julian Sprung tea, but not the Jake Adams Thanks again, missing the Wall Street guy. I'm really enjoying this with you all. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so guy. I pointed him in the right direction. But yeah, if you go to the Gallery Aquatica page, I'll also link that down below if you want one of the Jake Adams uh, shirts. And they do ship from North Carolina, not Australia. Uh, Nicole said that. So you'll get it pretty quickly. Um, 
Valhalla says, awesome guys. So great for the new direction from Raj. And could be more stoked, stoked about the new podcast crew. Honestly, find I pay more attention at my reef after renewed inspiration from listening. Man, I can't stress enough how I'd be interested in signing up for the first inaugural Reef Builders dive trip. Hope that happens. Uh, Raj? We should do it. <laughs> uh, Mark and I were kind of fantasizing about that in the last podcast, just kind of like going off the grid yeah. and going on a little dive trip, you know? Yes. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, yeah. It's... The logistics is the hard part because the the best places to go for the kind of corals that we're excited about is it's far away, it's expensive, you know. Um, Nobody really, I mean, Caribbean corals are awesome, but they're not really that prevalent in the hobby, right? So yeah, but it's it's boring diving, right? It's it's a dive to do a dive. What the Caribbean? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like it sometimes. (laughs) I like all the Gorgonians, you know. yeah, I mean, Indo-Pacific and Red Sea is, is better, uh, yeah. in my opinion, if you're a coral nerd, for sure. What? I uh, tend to like wreck uh, dives the best, because it gives me just something else to do and interact with. And I like actually diving into the wreck where you're not supposed to go and, you know, get that get that adrenaline rush up where it's already risky enough because I'm underwater breathing, but... Let me go into this tiny, <laughs> this tiny opening in this ship that's been underwater for, I don't know, 50, 100, 200 years and see how that works out for me. Yeah. I've got claustrophobia just thinking about that. Um, have you guys ever seen those cave videos where the cavers will go oh, in and the holes that are like smaller than their body? <laughs> they have to breathe. They have to hold the air in so that they can get through tiny spaces. Oh, There's that, that, that Hollywood movie about <laughs> rescuing the, uh, t- the soccer team. Was that in Thailand, I believe? Uh, oh, God. Yeah. And uh, it's got like Viggo yeah. Mortensen and some other famous people in it. And I mean, you know, it's Hollywood, right? But it's like that watching that movie just got me so. I mean, I was like, you know, same like watching Free Solo when he's climbing without the rope. It's just. You know he lives because he's still around doing interviews, right? But like you're just like, oh my god! Um, yeah, one little tiny mess yeah. up, one little tiny mess up. Uh, so yeah, if you've maybe if you've got a suggestion for where that dive trip should be, leave that in the comment section. Uh, I realize that those of you that are listening to the audio version uh, cannot do that necessarily, but you can always come back to the YouTube video if you've got a, a place in mind. It is possible, I think. You know, even even if it is a little bit more pricey or expensive. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely one of those, I think it's a bucket list item for a lot of people who are landlocked like me and aren't near an ocean. Um, you know, Australia, great barrier reef, that's all like bucket list stuff and would be willing to, you know, maybe fork over some extra dollars to, to go see something cool. Well, then that's the easy solution, right? You go to Reefstock Sydney and we take a day and go dive. Yeah. I th- that's a cool idea, yeah. like in conjunction with Reefstock. Yeah. Just a bunch of us Reefstock uh, coral nerds take yeah. off and go jump in the water. Because you, you can even dive right there in the harbor. Oh, There's okay. diving there in the harbor. Nice. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if we're allowed be, to that, dive. That's but... exciting. <laughs> Is the re- where's Reefstock Australia? Is it in Sydney? It's in Sydney. Okay. Yeah, but you want to go up, up to... Um... Is it the Gold Coast, as they call it, or whatever? The where Cairns and all that stuff is. Yeah, that's where you really want to go. Yeah, 
But get to Sydney first. Yeah. Then we worry about the other details later. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> that's the longest yeah. flight. <laughs> right. Yep. So when you get uh, to Sydney, then you have to take another eight-hour flight just to get anywhere else in Australia. You know, you've already committed. You've already done the two-day flight there. There you go. Let's do it. Two weeks. Let's go. <laughs> I'd love to dive in Western Australia. Um, Darwin. Um, and then, you know, just that whole area where they're collecting a lot of the Wilsonies and those kind of corals. And I don't know. That that's stuff interests me. Um, you know, big, you know, Acropora dominant reefs are cool, but... I don't know. I, I, like, I think I'd be happier in a muck dive, you know? I was about to say, you can't see anything. It's all dirt. Um, yeah. But even like in Indonesia, like muck diving in Lembe Strait, that would, to me, be really cool. Like, I would find that fascinating. And like Jake always talked about, like, the cool, the cool, weird corals grow in, like, the weird, nasty places, you know? Like, the mucky places. That's where you find the really interesting LPS and stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, Shane, Do you guys... Shane was showing me video oh. of... Um, of like all the muck areas where he's going and exploring and collecting and kind of documenting what, what's out there. And it just, it looks like crap, right? It just looks like a bunch of dirt out there and there's nothing to see. But once you get close, you can see that there's stuff under there and there's some cool looking corals. Um, cool for us. I, I don't know if they'll sell for the thousands of dollars frag sell for these days, but they're, they're just really neat. A lot of good, um, texture there and growth patterns and just interesting colors yeah i think if you can capture that from a video standpoint or yeah. photography that, that'd be really awesome uh there's uh there's a youtuber i don't know if you guys know simple aquariums lauren oh, yeah um she lives in western australia and i remember when she was first getting going on youtube and kind of asking for advice i was like please like start or end your videos with your freaking backyard yeah. because it's amazing like it may be normal to you but it's not normal to a lot of people and it's just it's beautiful so i don't i don't know if she's got like if she's diving certified or whatever but i think that that would be awesome just to just to have her run out there and and see what's see well, what's out there but, is she coming to sydney i think so i think i think she'll be there um i haven't talked to her in a little bit but yeah i think that'd be really cool um if you know the western australia i think she said it's like a five-hour flight to sydney and it just like blows my mind because you, <laughs> you think that everything's closer than it really is but really all civilization is on the coast of australia so yeah um, see a plan starting to come together there you go there just it working is. it out right here uh and then we also had we uh we talked about turtle grass last time mark mm -hmm. um john did those pictures come through for no, you oh man no uh, i know you tried uh, a second john, time but John Farr is his name. He had a comment um, asking for our email so that he could send us a couple of photos of his turtle grass biotope. And he actually has, uh, it looks like it's, well, it is a refugium. And he also has an indoor saltwater pond, which is awesome. Uh, but in the refugium, he's growing turtle grass. And he said that, you know, one of your main complaints about turtle grass was that you get nuisance algae that grows on it. He said he just keeps it in super high flow. And then whenever he's doing a water change or whatever, just like kind of take his hand and waft it over the top to, to get it off before it, you know, sticks. 
So hmm. I actually, I'm kind of thinking about doing that in this this first like ultim build. I think that'd be really cool to do some some turtle grass or something like that. Some some seagrass of some sort. Yeah, and there's a plant uh, called halophylla. Uh, halophylla. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but uh, it's got like um, it looks like a terrestrial plant with its leaves. Um, it looks like a freshwater. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't call it like a sword plant or something, but it just has these um, typical leaf shapes, like the um, you know oblong or whatever you want to call it, and they. And um, I, I grew that for a while in a 4D breeder with some turtle grass and some, uh, I want to call it shoal grass maybe. It was like the rounded type grass blades. Uh-huh. Uh, it all grew really quickly and really well. Um, I just had a hard time keeping it attractive looking because I did get a lot of that um, epiphytic algae growth gro- happening on it. Um, yeah. And, and you know, certain tangs you put in there are going to be like, hey, you know, all of this is really good. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, does it kind of resemble a cannabis leaf a little bit? Cause it's sort of like a cluster <laughs> or like poison ivy is the way I looked at it a little bit. Gotcha. Like poison yeah. Sumac, I don't know which one it is, but, um, but it just looks like something like, Oh, that must've come off a tree and fallen in the water. You know? And you're like, no, that's a, that is a type of seagrass or a sea, a, you know, a saltwater plant. But, um, uh, there was a lady on Reef Central back in the Reef Central days, and uh, she was growing all kinds of um, saltwater grasses and stuff and writing some articles about it. And she was really generous and sent me a bunch, and uh, I had a lot of fun growing that stuff. But I don't know if you can still find it. I, I hope so. I hope somebody's still growing that kind of stuff or collecting it. Um, but And then I've seen some reef tanks with turtle grass just popping through the live rock here and there, you know, and... Some people just throw it in and see, you know, they see what happens. So, yeah, you should definitely do it. It's a fun, you know, journey, like something new to try and get frustrated with, and then figure out, what, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's not working, what is, and yeah. those are the adventures I like. Yeah, why not throw another <laughs> variable in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, I think we'll we'll see if we come around to the the fire talk here. If not, we'll hit it in the next one for sure. But. Um, uh, Rylan actually commented and said, I need a topic on how to hold interest in your tank after dealing with issues that are overwhelming and discouraging. Uh, he says, keep them coming guys. And I know that uh, Mark, you and Jake kind of covered this in a, in a, an episode. I think it was 41. Um, I'm not sure what, do you remember what the, what the title of that one was? No, I, I think I replied to him in the YouTube comments to go check yeah, it out. You did. Um, yeah. But I think, he he does bring up a good point uh, for you know we kind of touched on this I think in the maybe the f- very first or second one that we've done together where you get that first outbreak of aptasia or flatworms or and you just are so overwhelmed by <laughs> the amount that you have in your tank but uh, I think once you get through those first obstacles, you really can tackle anything because they're really, for the most part, there's a solution for most things. There's uh, maybe a lot of solutions for the same thing. So when you go out to the reef forums and you get, how do I get rid of, you know, green hair algae or, uh, you know, uh, bubble algae or whatever it is, and you get like 50 different ways to do it, um, once you once you get it down, 
I think uh, pushing through those moments. I remember my first flatworm outbreak and the guy, the, my local fish store was like, just get a six line. And I know not all six lines are, you know, keen on, on wiping out flatworms, but if you help them out, you know, they'll take them out every once in a while, you Mm -hmm. know, at least mine did. I didn't have to worry about it after I, you know, I sucked out maybe two to 300 flatworms on my own manually and then let the rats kind of take care of the rest. So that worked for me. And that was very simple because I didn't have to, I wasn't manually doing it all. I had a, an organism in there kind of working for me, which was nice. So yeah, the six line didn't work for me. I actually ended up with a <laughs> Melanaris ras and that okay. guy was a beast. He just yeah. went in there and decimated these guys. And they're um, awesome fish too. Oh, they were awesome. He actually turned into a super male. Um, but I got him when he was tiny and he grew up and just all of a sudden one day he was amazing looking, um, just a, probably my favorite fish for a long, long time because he, my tank was covered in red planaria. I mean, just covered. You couldn't see rock. You could barely see sand. I mean, it was just everywhere. Tank just got out of hand and you know, you're like, wow, I, I suck at this. This is, this is an epic failure and I should quit. Um, we've all been there. Um, but you get over it, you know, you, you, you get past it. Um, and, and you see that everybody has gone through similar, if not the same, it's just kind of part of the journey. Um, you know, we forget that it's a living organism. It's not like your TV, you plug it in and it works. It's this thing, it, it lives and breathes and you get everything that comes along with it that's just part of the journey good or bad i mean if i didn't get red red planaria i would never have bought that melanaris ras and then i would never have got to see it go from a juvenile to this super male specimen uh, you know so that there there's a positive to to everything yeah and i mean look i get it i i battled dinos for a year and then people that i highly respect in the hobby who'd been around the block a long time in the hobby like I have, were taking like this dismissive old school response to dinos because back in the day, dinos were just like a part of your reef's succession plan, right? It's like, all right, first we get this nasty, then we get that nasty, and then eventually... It's so it was like, oh, you know, like, okay. So, so I, I saw like a lot of veteran reef keepers be like, you know yeah, dinos, they go away, like, relax, you know? And it's like, no, I know what these people are talking about because <laughs> I battled mine for a year, you know, a freaking year. I was terrified to do water changes because every time I did a water change, I it, like, I had a dino explosion. Um, and, yeah, I don't – it's it's frustrating, and it makes you just want to throw in the towel. But if it was easy, it would get boring, right? And um, eventually your tank – falls in line sometimes i wonder if like all the stuff we do is just to keep us busy while it's naturally getting to its natural conclusion right it's like you know if you went on vacation for you know or a sabbatical for six months and you came back like it would have fixed itself (laughs) but you spent six months like you know plugging in a uv and doing this and doing that and you're like oh i fixed it you know i don't know um (laughs) but yeah it's frustrating i mean What's weird is when I'm have a problem I need to fix, I'm actually more engaged with my tank. When the tank is coasting and everything looks great, that's when I get not burnt out but bored. And then I um 
I, it's it's at that point where you know I usually tell my wife like oh, I'm gonna tear down this tank. I'm just gonna have one <laughs> tank, and she always tells me like you do this, and then next year you're gonna be setting up another tank. Like you know this right, and so and she's always right. Um, but <laughs> um, and that's where I'm at. I mean, my tank is coasting. Things are good. Knock on wood. But I'm I don't know. It's like I I I like sitting in front of it, but I'm not. It's like I'm not excited to see what's going on with the hobby right now. Like I'm not as engaged. And it doesn't have to do with summer or spring. You know, people are like, oh, it's summertime. You want to go outside. Um, So I've been kind of battling that, you know. Um, But the other thing is, too, like I am not a collector, right? I don't have collectoritis. I don't want to keep buying corals every month and running out of room. So if you're not buying corals and you're not, like, you know, buying – expensive lights and trying out new gear eventually you're just staring at it and watching it grow slowly and and i you know i don't know so this is an actual therapy session yeah well that's what it was always (laughs) meant to be right um so i think jake i think jake said at one point he just bought you corals so that you would put corals in your tank (laughs) (laughs) well yeah he'd always be like you don't have enough corals and i'm like yeah but that coral is gonna grow like the size of a volleyball you know it's like well yeah but then you just deal with it and i'm like yeah but i don't have 30 other tanks to redistribute to you know (laughs) so he would give me shit like i would like i took a jason fox acro that was you know 10 inches and I hacked the shit out of it, and I threw it in the yard, and I just regrew <laughs> one frag. And he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I'm not a coral vendor, right? I don't want to spend my days at FedEx or UPS. I don't want a bunch of people coming over to my house constantly for frags, you know? It's just so, I just like, what do you do with it? You throw it in the yard, and it becomes calcium supplement for your grass <laughs> or something. I don't know, you know? <laughs> dog finds it brings it in <laughs> i had a bunch of live rock out there once or dead rock not live rock but you know um and i left it out there to air dry after i bleached it so i could just store it you know i killed everything on it with bleach and i just left it on my deck to air dry and then i stuck it in a bin a rubber made and i put the lid on it and i stuck it in a shelf in my basement and then when I, it came time to, I needed some rock, I opened up the bin and there's a dead snake in there. <laughs> Completely <laughs> emaciated. I felt terrible. So this thing must have crawled into one of the rocks at night. Like, yeah, this is a cool little hidey hole. And then I, next day, picked up all the rocks, stuck it in a Rubbermaid. He could never get out. And the poor thing, I don't know if it died of thirst or hunger. I felt terrible, but... Mm. I screamed like, you know, a six-year-old girl. Like, you know, you're in your comfort of your own home and you're opening up a Rubbermaid and there's a snake in there. You're like, ah! So. Okay, throwing coral in the yard. Sad for the snake. It was, yeah, I felt, I mean, I felt terrible. I guess, you know, like, it's poor. Like, that's a horrible way to die, you know, like Mm -hmm. stuck in a plastic tote. Um, Yeah. Have you? I, I, let me ask you this: Have you gone through this uh, before? Have you gone through this like I'm kind of indifferent about where I'm at right now in the hobby? Oh yeah, I mean, and and that's why my involvement with reef builders was the way it was, because I would always have a reef tank and I'd always be growing something, but with before I did much like the podcast, um, my communication in the hobby would ebb and flow. 
So I was just, you know, Jake used to joke I like I would be a hermit when I'm, in real life I'm not. I'm out having a great time, but I would just disappear off the map, and then all of a sudden I'd randomly call him and be like, "He lives," you know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to do that. I, I tend to, I. I just don't have the budget to buy the latest and greatest light every year, right? So it's not like I'm swapping out my hardware. And I don't know how people do it. Like, eventually, like, if you bought corals every month, after, like, a few months, your tank would be chock full. Like, what do you do? Um, I mean, you know, some people upgrade. Some people get rid of corals. But, yeah. I don't know. With the, with the size of frags these days, uh, you, well, yeah. you know, they're so <laughs> small. I mean, back in the day, the frags were, they were huge. Um, so you really couldn't fit that many. And now they've gotten so tiny, you can fit a thousand frags in a tank in any normal size tank quite easily. I don't know if you could afford a thousand frags, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. I mean, I, I agree with you on that. And I, sometimes the burnout is just uh it's not that i you know like i have a budget for reef keeping and i'm have a nice reef tank so i can't complain but it's like after a while everything seems to be about money you know it's like oh a thousand dollar lights three hundred dollar frags and it's like even if you can afford it you're just like you just feel kind of like sold to the whole time and that's just that's not a hobby you know to me that's like i don't know I mean, you guys don't so ever do you feel, feel that. Do you feel, do you feel compelled that you need to upgrade every time there's a new light out? Because I feel like no. I mean, okay. But I feel like I just, everything I go on to with YouTube or the forums. Um, I was on Reef Beef uh, recently. Like it, it hasn't come out yet, but we were just talking about it, and um, I don't know if you guys remember uh, uh, Scott Fellman. Yeah. Um, I, I had to copy what he said because uh, he I, I don't feel this way 100% but let's see uh, I'm going to find it um, but he talked about how why he went into the plant world and started doing those botanicals for those those cool like hardscape supplies for mm -hmm. planet tanks does the, he does all the tannin tanks now instead yeah, of tannin taking aquatic. the colors out of the water he's putting them in it yeah, and uh, he talked about how he got burned out on the reef hobby because it turned into, quote-unquote, and I, Scott, I apologize for quoting you on two podcasts now, but it's just like I couldn't have said it better. Like, a largely superficial endeavor dominated by the marketing and glorification of acquiring tiny, overpriced, exotically named, hyped collector <laughs> coral frags and expensive gear, placing material wow. acquisition or superficial hype over knowledge. And I'd be honest, there, there are days I feel like that where I'm just like, yeah. you know, there's still a, there's still plenty of us around that want to talk about the, the sciencey nerdy stuff, but I feel like they're not, you know, we're not center stage anymore. And so I, part of me gets a little burnt out by that too. So, which I know is now we're just now it becomes it's become a mark therapy session i apologize because <laughs> it doesn't have so much to do with like an algae outbreak or something frustrating you but um i don't know it, i mean you you not feel that at all like you don't have that um 
like the material side starts to kind of make it less uh, romantic or for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I think a lot like how the internet kind of moves and how we're seeing this influx of artificial intelligence. Like I suddenly feel behind, whereas maybe 10 years ago with social media, I felt like I was way ahead of the curve. And now I feel like I'm, I've taken a little bit of a break on that and now I'm behind. I don't, and maybe even, uh, you know, the people that are dealing with artificial intelligence feel like they're behind as well. Um, but there's a little bit of like, you know, I think when I first got into the hobby and started making YouTube videos, I was known as the Zoanthid guy and I had all the Zoanthids and all the different names and all that. And I, aside from the ones that, you know, I'm, I was privy to when I first started doing that, there's so many more names now. And I, I feel so behind when people are like, I'll get Instagram questions all the time about, you know, whatever and whatever Zoanthid. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what that is anymore. And, uh, yeah, there's that quote is that belongs on one of those signs in a kitchen. I feel like (laughs) that's like, that's like the, uh, the, the basic reefer version of like, uh, like one of those quotes that you'd put on a vinyl sticker on your wall. Uh, I think it encapsulates so much of, you know, what people are feeling, but don't know how to put words to it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, uh, and it's not just our hobby. I mean, every hobby I participate in is like that, right? The number one, I don't know if it's number one, but I think it's number one guitar forum is called the gear page because it's less about playing music and more about the gear, right? Like, let me post like a, a shot of my guitar leaning against a tree in the sunshine. I've got the, you know, made of some rare wood collected, you know, in some jungle in Africa that they cut and aged in a kiln. And it's like, (laughs) okay, you know, um, I, I love camping fly fishing. And many years ago I picked up an old beat up Jeep and that I took that, you know, camping and fly fishing. And I was like, oh, you know, how do I fix this on a Jeep? And you end up on a Jeep forum, and it's just guys, like, putting every accessory they can on a Jeep. And if that makes them happy, I'm happy for them. But it was like, oh, this is this is not my scene, you know? Like, I just want to, like, I want to see pictures of people taking their Jeeps cool places, you know, or something. Um, so it's not just us. It's just it, there's that. I don't know. Uh, maybe it says more about me, like, and what I like and dislike than the hobby itself, right? Like, maybe I've become less materialistic or something. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Getting to that uh, yeah. get off my lawn stage in life. Yeah, I'm like five steps away from like living in the woods and, you know, and growing my own food on a yeah. homestead and. I don't know. <laughs> what about what about you, maker of the cool gear? Well, I'm I've always been into the gear. I always liked the cool stuff, and even when I couldn't afford it, you know, I wanted to make my own and tinkered with stuff. But it was I was always tinkering with the stuff, and always wanted to make something better or get the the next thing that was better. Um, but that has slowed to a certain extent now, like. Like my phone, for instance, it's, I don't get the new phone every year, every two years, you know, if it's still doing everything that I want it to do, I keep my phone. Um, 
but I still like looking at and geeking out over the new ones uh, and seeing what they do better and seeing their features and all that stuff. So that I, I like that. Uh, and the same thing applies to, the, you know, reefing. I, I still like checking out all the new gear that comes out and all the new tech and, um, you know, just where things are going. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to buy it, but I, I get enjoyment yeah. over looking at it. I think, I think for me, when I feel a little bit like I'm losing interest in a particular side or niche of the hobby, you know, that kind of, that's kind of what drew me into, you know, my clownfisher laying eggs. Let's just try this out. Yeah. And I, I don't think I ever, I don't think I've ever felt a sense of euphoria like I did when I, and this is so nerdy. Um, when I pulled out, uh, a rotifer culture and put it in a, uh, glass bowl and just saw one of you know, some tiny form of life that is going to help these tiny fry survive. And I, you know, I almost, I got the chills. It was weird. Uh, and I think that's <laughs> the kind of stuff that will like re-energize you into the hobby. There's so many different facets of the hobby. You know, there's yeah. so many different things that you can, so many routes you can go down. So if the mixed reef isn't really doing it for you anymore, if the, you know, still keep the coral, maybe light it different. Maybe you put some of those in white light, maybe, you know, try a different biotope or something. We, and we talked about turtle grass tonight. That's a, that's a cool thing that not a whole lot of people are doing. So I think maybe trying out those other, those other niches, those other facets within the saltwater hobby would be cool. Maybe even going freshwater with some ultimate angels. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not go that far. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that that's that's usually what kind of gets me out of a fun. I like innovation. You know, uh, I saw that you know that one guy created a protein skimmer and melds a protein skimmer with a filter roller. And I thought that was really uh, interesting, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like you're just collecting all of that skimmate and just removing it with a filter rule. I'm like, that's actually really cool. Um, that stuff, and you know, so so I don't want to beat up on the hardware companies because I think like they're always innovating, <laughs> right? Like I think they they come out with a newer light because they're like, oh, what if we did this? What if we did that? And and I think that's really cool. Um, it's it's just like it's more just how we like how it's i don't know it, it like the, the 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 most talked about corals are the most expensive ones now right and i guess it it always has been that way if you think about it but um it's just there's like um i think also the discoveries are different now there's still coral now people are spawning corals at home uh, fish breeding has been amazing in the last, you know, few years. I mean, that we're, we have captive bred tangs and captive bred regal angels. Like that stuff excites me. I don't like that. It's $600 for a fish. Cause I'm like, dude, um, but you know, it is what it is. But, um, so that stuff excites me. Uh, but I think it was uh, a little more wild west back in the day too. We were still figuring out a lot of stuff. And now I think we've got it figure it out for the most part you know we still run into the nuisance algaes and arguing about nitrates and phosphates but um i don't know and it's also where you are in your journey right if you're still learning 
if you're like, what is ozone? Wait, what Odo, you know, like ozone does what? Like, like then if it's all new and exciting and you're still tinkering, um, and you're, you know, like, Whoa, what is this carbon dosing thing? Oh, I want to try that. But I think if you've mm-hmm. tried a lot of things and you've done a lot of things, then you don't have as many of those little exciting moments, you know, where you're like having that eureka, like what you had with the rotifers, like those are not as common anymore, you know? So, um, but I think what helps is talking to people that are passionate about the hobby and just having that human connection, you know, like you talking to you guys on reef therapy, uh, just that phone call with Chris Meckley and like some of the stuff that was racking around in his brain about his coral farm. And it's like, Oh, okay. Then you have that, for for that brief little period of time after you have like a different lens on your own reef tank again you know you're looking at it a little bit differently you know you're like oh i see you you know like pavone <laughs> growing in the corner like i see what you're doing you know so yeah 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 that's it's one thing i always liked about shows is you go there and you're just hanging around with all these people that have the similar interest and you have all these conversations around this hobby and you come back almost like you said, invigorated, right? You're back into it. You feel good. And yeah, Yeah. sometimes I think we just need that. Um, Wherever you are in your journey in in this hobby, just be around other hobbies. There's only a select few of us that will have these conversations with each other. (laughs) It just happened today. Everybody at the radio station knows (laughs) that I have this weird coral thing in my basement. (laughs) And uh, we had these guys come in, and this doesn't typically happen anymore where you've got like a new innovative product that comes in, but these guys came in, and I think the brand is called uh, Fins, and they make T-shirts and apparel that um, they, they use plastic bottles to make these shirts. And on every label, there's like how many bottles are in your shirt, and it's kind of cool. You have 10 plastic bottles that made this shirt. And one of the girls in the room piped up and she was like, oh, that would be great for your for your coral. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, why is, why is it every time that we bring up coral around other people, you act like you don't know what you're doing, like what's going on? And it's like, well, because when I get into it, I want to get into it deep. Like I don't want to <laughs> just sit here and be like, well, I have coral in my basement. Coral is an animal. Um, and yes, it is part of the saltwater aquarium hobby. You know, I want to get into it deep. So. It helps to have a friend too. I've got some really good friends here in St. Louis and we will hang out. We'll, you know, end up at the local fish store together and just look at stuff and talk about stuff. And that, that helps to reinvigorate for sure. So, uh, very long answer to a, a question, but you know, we're all going through, like you said, Mark, there's, there's different facets of this. It could be the obstacle of the flatworms of the nuisance algae. It could just be getting a little lackadaisical about everything. Yeah, um, it, but it it's temporary. That's the key is yeah. like, you know, uh, believe me, I've torn down tanks thinking like, ah, you know, I'm kind of, I just want to have one tank, I'm burnt out. And then six months later, I'm setting up something random. So don't tear down your tank. Don't give up. Just, you know, even if you're convinced that you're like, screw this, uh, six months later, you'll be like, oh, I'm glad I didn't tear down that tank. <laughs> I, I truly feel... Yeah. It's cyclical. Um, but yeah, there's, we all go through it. Yeah. Plus in like six to nine months, yeah. you'll have an even bigger <laughs> problem that'll make this one look really small. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the other thing about not well, buying a lot of corals. Is once you've 
gotten your pests taken care of. Yeah. If you don't put new shit in, yeah. you're good. You're golden. Like you, you just, you know, you just keep growing the corals that you yeah. have and be that boring guy. But like, hey, I don't have aptasia. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure. Well, guys, do you have anything else that uh, I know we didn't get to the local fish store fire stuff, but uh, we can we can talk about that in the next one. I'll I'll have a little bit more insight on that as well. As um, you know, FJW just had a fire and. Uh, we just the gateway aquatics here in St. Louis just had a fire as well. So maybe I can talk from a more educated standpoint on that, you know, causes things of that nature. Um, cause obviously we deal with a lot of electricity and electricity and water and, you know, things like that. So, um, I'm guessing that's probably where most of that starts, but I think we can get into that in the next episode. You guys want to say anything else before we depart? No. I worry I turned into a bit of a downer at the end. I didn't mean to, but <laughs> talking about dead snakes and uh, <laughs> capitalism, you know, like I'm sounding anti-capitalist or something, I, I, which I'm not, but, you know, so. I know. <laughs> can't, can't Get him out of here. Uh, no. There hasn't been a replace Mark. There's only been a replace Remy so far, so. Ooh, challenge accepted. We're just going to kick this guy out, too, so don't worry about it. Mark's, yeah, yeah. Mark's the only safe one. Well, guys, one. Uh, were you going to say something? Sorry. No, I was just going to joke about ways that I could um, <laughs> make myself um, less appealing, but uh, never mind. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on this episode of Reef Therapy. Again, if you have any comments, uh, and you know, we obviously, I would love to get your feedback on some of those questions that we asked in the beginning. If any, any comments, any follow up, uh, please let us know in the comments section on the YouTube channel. If you're not on YouTube and you're just listening to the audio version, hop on over to the YouTube channel if you've actually got a question that's burning. Um, or you can always hit us up on any of the Reef Builders socials. Uh, all right, Reef Builders, we will see you in the next one. We'll see you guys. See you. Thanks, Remy. See ya.